0: Well, today will be the final session from the book of Galatians. I've preached seven sessions. Today's going to be number eight in this incredible letter that was inspired by the Holy Spirit to the early church and to us in this room. Seven sessions. When I read the book of Galatians, it immediately started to proclaim these themes. There is no other gospel. This is the only good news there is for man. You reject this good news, you only get bad news. There's one message. Jesus died on the cross to rescue you and I from the coming darkness, and darkness is coming. How will he rescue us? By faith. By believing that he is who he says he is. And then by faith, he gives us a promise. God gives us a promise. There's a promise that You are his children, and in your future is a glorious inheritance beyond your comprehension. He gave you his word, his promise. And then what? Hold on. Paul looks at the early church and says, once you get this, once you understand there's no other gospel, there's one message, you receive it by faith, you receive the promise. Hold on. Why? Because there will be opposition. There is another spirit. He is a liar. And then we find out that Paul reveals there's two sons. You get into this family of Abraham, but Abraham had two sons. One is a child of the promise, and one is not the child of the promise. And you got to make sure you line up under the promise. Isaac instead of Ishmael. Now, anybody from Ishmael's seed can become a child of the promise through the Messiah. But you must come under Isaac and Jacob, Abraham, to receive the promise. Because what came from Isaac and Jacob and Abraham? Jesus. That's the promise. And last week it was this. You must listen to him. All of this is meaningless unless you listen to him. Moses proclaimed, one's coming like me a prophet, and you must listen to him. If you don't listen to him, you will be completely cut off. There's a core. There's a theme to all of Galatians. Melted all together, here's what you find. Freedom. Freedom. But you must listen to him to find the freedom. There was a great conflict between the Jewish law and the gospel of grace. The early church was struggling with this conflict between this Jewish law, which was pretty much based on salvation by works, to this idea of God's grace has come. But there was a great freedom, a freedom, a liberty, if you would listen to him. Today we begin our final chapter in Paul's letter to the Galatian church. Paul's letter addresses two questions. As we start today, I want you to come to grips with two questions in the last chapter. Here's the first question. What is our role in the body of Christ? Let me rephrase it. What is our responsibility by being part of the body of Christ, which is the church? I want you to let that sink in. Let, let it be personal right now. What is your responsibility in the body of Christ? Yours. Don't look at me. What's yours? What is your responsibility right now in the body of Christ? Question number two. What is our role in the body if someone in the body falls into sin? Now, I'm not making either one of these questions up. Paul is in his final chapter, and he asks these two questions. He presents these two things to the church. What is your role? What do you think it means when you become part of the body of Christ? What is your role? What's your responsibility? Do you have any responsibility? And what is your role, and what is your responsibility? If somebody inside the body of Christ falls into sin, what do you do? You do anything? What is your responsibility? Here we go. We open up Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, so obviously he's talking to church, right? Brothers and sisters, that's fellow believers. If another believer, believers, responsible for other believers, brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin... You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, you obey the law of Christ. And if you think you're too important to help someone... You're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I kind of like that part. He's talking to me too. You are not that important. Get over yourself. This has so much application in the modern American church because much of the modern American church, are you listening? The reason this has so much application today because I'm watching that much of the modern American church has fallen into sin it's happened in our generation did you know it was your personal responsibility church did you know that it is your personal responsibility to gently and humbly help a believer that has fallen into sin and darkness back on to the road to light and truth did you know that's your job let me put it a little deeper Do you know you're going to be held accountable for that responsibility? When a brother or sister has fallen into sin, you and I have been called by God through the power of the Holy Spirit to gently and humbly help them back onto the right road. It's our responsibility. Did you know it was your personal responsibility to share the burdens of fellow believers here in the church? Well, nobody told me that was in the contract. We're supposed to share each other's burdens. We're supposed to hold each other accountable. There's a standard to being in this body of Christ. Are you too busy? Are you too important to accept that role in the body of Christ? Or did you just come for the show? Let's be honest. I'm not much of an ear tickler. Or did you just come for the show? I hear they put on a really good show out there at that church. Like a spectator at a ball game just watching. Does it matter? Do you understand that when you come into the body of Christ, you come into an area in which you must now accept responsibility. Responsibility for yourself and responsibility for the people that are around you. And yes, you will be held accountable on the last day. Let me put it another way. Well, let's let Jude, the brother of Christ, put it another way. I've read to you what Paul says. Jude climbs in on the same story. Let's listen to what he says. Also in the New Testament, Jude 1 verse 20. But you, dear friends, must build each other up. This is the church. We must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way. Well, in what way? By building each other up and praying for each other in the Holy Spirit. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. You mean you can keep yourself safe by building each other up? Yeah, that's how it works. It builds a community of strong people. So when the storms come, the community is strong. We're all strong by praying in the Holy Spirit. In this way, you keep yourself safe in God's love. Verse 22, and you must show mercy. Are you listening, church? You must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. In this room, let's be honest, there are people whose faith is wavering. It's weak. It wouldn't take much to push them over the edge. You must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. And number two, verse 23. Rescue others by snatching them. Did you know this is your responsibility? Some of you are thinking, well, that's why we call you. You must rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but Do so with great caution. What? This mercy, this reaching out to those who have weak faith or have lost their faith. Give mercy. Listen, give mercy. It begins with giving mercy. But do it with great caution. Why? Hating the sins that contaminate their life. Not hating them, but hating the sin that has wrecked their life, contaminated their life so let me do a real quick summary that scripture from jude it had five things in it and let's just take a test okay everybody loves test right we all like let's do a five question test from that scripture in jude you take the test i'll take the test you must build other believers up are you doing that You can check yes or no in your mind. You must build other believers up. That's your responsibility in this church. Are you doing it? Some of you, if you're honest, you would say, never in my lifetime have I done that. Number two, you must pray for each other in the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that you? Number three, you must show mercy to those whose faith is weak or wavering. Is that you? Number four, you must try to rescue believers who have fallen, like snatching them out of the fire of hell itself. Is that you? Did you know you had responsibilities when you came into the body of Christ? Did you know did you accept those responsibilities in your life? Number five, you must give people mercy, but that mercy must be based on truth and responsibility. Is that you? Well, how'd you do? Did you pass? Did you fail? Well, I got one more test. Let's go back to Galatians where Paul, he actually just gives two questions or two, two parts to his test. Here's what Paul says. Gently and humbly help a fellow believer who has fallen into sin. So in your mind, just think back, when have you reached out to a fellow believer, gently and humbly, they have fallen into sin and you're aware of it, and you go to them and try to restore them. You ever done that? Number two, share each other's burdens. One of the things that really bothered me um, about a year or so ago when I did the whole study through the book of Acts... As every time I would turn a page I couldn't get out of my mind how far the church has come from that it grieves me how far the church today doesn't look anything like the church in the book of acts sorry it doesn't and I'm in this church it doesn't look anything like that church they shared each other's burdens they were a community They loved each other. If one of them fell, the whole group would come around and restore them. That's the church. You see, listen carefully. Paul and Jude are not talking, are not talking about or talking to unbelievers. Are you hearing me? What I have read to you from Paul and Jude, they're not talking about or talking to unbelievers. They're talking to church, to church people. You're not going to tell unbelievers to do this, but surely you can make sure believers do this, right? Do you have any responsibilities in this church or to this church, the body of Christ? That's my overall question to everyone sitting in the room. I'll hold myself accountable to the same standard I put upon you. Do you have, right now, do you feel like you have any responsibilities inside this church to those around you and to the church overall? Or you just come for the show? 1 Corinthians 5.12. Here's what Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Paul says, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. Are you listening? You don't have time to judge outsiders. Paul says, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility. He's talking to the church. It's your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Not to to knock them in the head, but to restore them. It isn't our responsibility to judge people on the outside of the church, but it certainly is our responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Why would you remove the evil person from among you? Well, read the the first Corinthians and you'd find out. They removed a person who was in sexual sin from the church. What? To humiliate him? Well, partly to restore him. Not to coddle him and not to say, well, it's okay. Grace covers it. No, To, to restore him. To call him out of the darkness into the light. does it matter. Does any of this matter? It will on the day of judgment. I'm going to show you today it will on the day of judgment for you and for them. It will matter. Gently and humbly. Those are two key words. Paul says don't hit them in the face with the Bible or your self-righteousness. Are you listening? Because a whole lot of church people do not have any comprehension of gently and humbly. Gently and humbly is your chance under the power of God to restore a fallen believer. It is not to hit them in the face with the Bible and your own self-righteousness. It is gentleness. It's, It's like the love you would have for a brother or sister. That's it. Jude says, show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Mercy, not condemnation. It's not your job. Mercy. But Jude also says, snatch them from the fiery flames of judgment. Snatch them. What? Because what happens if you refuse your responsibility? What happens if in your row, in your section right now, there's someone who's fallen into sin, and you know them, and you know they've fallen into sin, what are you going to do? Nothing. What is your responsibility? Gently and humbly you go to them. Can you imagine that? This is why, this is why the modern American church doesn't look anything like the church in the book of Acts. Because most of you sitting in the room today cannot fathom doing this. You cannot imagine doing this. Who am I? Who am I to judge him? What did Paul say? It is not my responsibility to judge people outside the church, but it is certainly my responsibility to judge those who inside the church who are fallen into sin. They're your brothers, your sisters. And if somebody doesn't reach into the darkness and snatch them out of the darkness, what's going to happen to them? Do you care? Paul, first tells the church to watch out for their fellow believers, but then he says, watch out for yourself. I've I've seen this in numerous occasions. Somebody try to reach out to somebody, and the next thing you know they're caught up in the same whirlwind that that first person was caught in. Watch out for yourself. Jude says, show mercy, but with great caution. They both say the same thing. Show mercy, Go after them. Try to snatch them, but you use great caution. Hating the sin that contaminated your brother. So let me ask you another question. Do you today, right now, under the authority of Scripture, not the authority of Terry, under the authority of Scripture, do you now accept this responsibility? Are you conscious of this responsibility upon each of us inside the body of Christ? Did anyone tell you that you had this responsibility? Has anybody ever told you that this is part of what it means to be part of the body of Christ? We're not talking about being a nosy, bitty, uh, uh, a nosy busybody. That's hard to say, by the way, real fast. Bittybody. We're not talking about being a nosy, busybody. We're talking about genuine love. A genuine love based on truth, for your brothers and sisters. And by the way, are you ready? You cannot take a speck out of your brother's eye while there's a log in yours. You just look goofy while you're trying it. In Galatians 6, verse 4. Let's keep going. We're going through Galatians 6. Let's go to verse 4. Pay careful attention to your own work. While you're fulfilling this responsibility inside the body, Paul says, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Are you with me? We have responsibility to the body, but we're also responsibility, our, our ultimate responsibility is for our own conduct. First, Church, take responsibility for your own life, your own walk, your own fellowship with Christ. Everything must begin there. Don't measure your worth or value in life against someone else. It's a trap. I want to say it again. You know what one of the life's traps is? It's measuring your worth or yourself or your accomplishments based on somebody else. It's a trap. God doesn't grade on a curve. His, his standard is his son. His standard is his son. He doesn't grade on the curve. He's not gonna, he doesn't raise you because you're, you're, you're better than somebody beside you. Focus on your own calling. Now here's, here's where it gets specific. Something that I've noticed myself. Focus on your own calling, your own gifts, and your own relationship with Christ. That's where you start. Before you go focusing on somebody else's calling and somebody else's gifts and somebody else's life, yeah, it's a good advice for you to focus on your own calling, your own gifts, and your own responsibilities, your own life. Start there. Sow the seeds that God has given you. Don't try to sow somebody else's seeds. And you know what, in, in ministry, it's something that I, I've noticed that, that I struggle with, and, and other ministers struggle with, and church people in general struggle with, that, that I feel like God has given me a very specific calling. And it's so easy for me to, to get sidetracked in, in, in good things, good things, and, and lose the focus on the specific calling that God has placed upon my life. And and just because, listen, respectfully, just because God called you to do something in the body does not mean that I have to go with you to do that. And vice versa, vice versa. You know, God has given each of us a specific calling. and, And you need to focus on that calling. And you need to be excellent at that calling. But the person next to you may have a totally different calling. And it's okay if they take off in a different direction. That's not sin. That's each of us focusing on the specific calling of God in our specific lives first. In the parable of the talents, but but no matter what, but no matter what, no matter what your individual calling is, or our corporate calling of the body of Christ is, we're all going to have to take responsibility. Everybody. (laughs) In the parable of talents, I'm going to read something today that's probably going to shock you, especially in this context. Jesus gives what is commonly referred to as the parable of the talents, even though the translation today don't, won't use talents, it'll use a different currency. In the parable of the talents, each person receives a different amount. Everybody listen. Jesus tells this story, and he tells this story. To reveal the kingdom of heaven. And in the story, each person in the story receives a different amount. And the master is going to leave on a long journey. And before the master leaves on a long journey, he calls his servants in. And each one of them is going to get something different. Their calling is going to be uniquely different for each of the three characters in the story. Now, let's go to Matthew 25. What what are we looking at? We're looking at responsibility in the church. Responsibility in the church. Responsibility in the church. Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven. That's the first thing I want you to notice. Do not let the world tell you what heaven is. Jesus is from heaven. So he has great authority to tell you what heaven is. And he can tell you what it's going to be like for those who go there and what it's going to be like for those who will never go there. He can tell you that. He has the authority. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated in the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Who's the man in the story? The man, the master in the story who's going on a long trip is Jesus. What's Jesus about to do after he tells the story? He's going to go on a long trip. He's going to leave earth. He's going to go to heaven. He's going to sit at the right hand of the Father. And while he's gone, he's going to give people things on the earth. This is what the kingdom of heaven's like. Verse 15. He gave five bags of silver to one guy. Two bags of silver to another guy. And one bag of silver to the last guy, dividing it how? Why did one guy get five and one guy get two and one guy get one? Dividing it according to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. Do you understand the story? Jesus is this guy. He's the master. He calls his servants, five, two, one. I'm gone. I'm coming back and we'll settle up accounts later. He gave different people different responsibilities. But all people, hear hear me, all people are responsible for what they have received. Everybody's got some responsibility. And in that parable of Jesus, each person is accountable to the master. One by one, not as a group. Are you hearing me? One by one. You're going to stand in front of the master. Now, Jesus said this is what heaven's like. This is the way of the kingdom of heaven. Do you believe him? Don't measure your life, your purpose, or your value by comparing yourself to others. Stop it. Quit measuring your life because, well, you know what? I only got two bags of silver and somebody else got five bags of silver. Well, more than likely, five bags of silver would ruin you. You'd fail. Stop it. No, look at what you have. Just look at what you have and use it for God's glory. Multiply that which he has given to you. That's the calling. Just multiply that which you have given. Quit worrying about what you've, how much somebody else got, what somebody else's talents are, what somebody else's calling is. Just just focus on yours, what you get. So what's in your hand? Would you think you're the five guy or the two guy? And if you think this is about money, you need to set up some time to meet with me later this week. Because this has got nothing to do with money. Goodness gracious. Money's not going to get you into heaven. So now let me ask the question. Do you think you're the five Bags of silver guy, or you're the two-bag of silver guy, or you're the one-bag of silver guy. You know what? It doesn't matter which one. Just multiply what you got. Isn't this awesome? It doesn't matter. Whether you're the five, or the two, or the one, or three, or four, it doesn't matter. Just multiply what you got. Just accept responsibility with what you have. What's in your hand? What did God give you? David, what did he have in his hand? He had a sling. (laughs) That's it. Somebody said, What the songs out lately said David brought a rock to a sword fight? He used what he had, right? Moses had what? He had a stick. Elisha had 12 yoke oxen. Matthew had a good job at the IRS. Peter, Andrew, James, and John all had bass boats. The widow had a handful of flour, a little oil, and a son. Just look at the story of the scriptures. Who are they? Who are they? People who had a whole lot? It doesn't really matter how much you got, it's what you do with what you got. It's about whether or not you accept responsibility for what you have been given. We, too, will be held accountable before God. One by one. One by one, we will be held accountable. We each bear our own responsibility before God. You won't be able to blame someone else. You're not going to be able to play the victim card. Are you hearing me? The modern American culture, everybody's a victim. Everything in my life that's wrong is because of somebody else. You must accept responsibility for your own life because you're going to stand in front of God, you singularly. And you're going to give an account for that which you have done with that which you have received. So I'll ask you those two questions I started with again. What is your responsibility in the church? And what is your responsibility in the church for somebody who falls into sin? So let's go to Romans 14.10. We're seeking truth. Paul says, why do you condemn another believer? This would be a believer condemning a believer. Why would you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Individually. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will confess and praise God, praise and give praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way, you, live me, live in such a way That you will not cause another believer to stumble or fall. Now I want to go back to that first question. What is your responsibility to the body? You know, we've talked in this whole Galatian letter about responsibility, about freedom. That Christ has set me free. Christ has set us free. We're not under the burden of the law. But does that freedom mean I don't have responsibility? To the people around me. Let me use an illustration. I've used this on multiple occasions. I want you to hear me out. I want you, some of you are going to struggle with it, by I'm asking you to hear me out. I don't drink alcohol. I, I don't drink alcohol. I don't think the Scripture prohibits moderate drinking. But I don't drink alcohol. Why? I have a responsibility to you. That's why. See, I understand that I have a responsibility to you. And if you were to go to Applebee's this afternoon and I'm lined up at the bar there chugging down a few brewskis, you would think something is wrong. Be honest, you would. But yet some of you feel like you don't have that same standard. And some of you glorify it as if somehow or another you have no resp- You're free to have no responsibility for the people around you. And you, know what you might be okay with that. It might never be a stumbling block for you. But there's a high probability there's somebody watching you inside this group that it'll take them to the pit. That one day in their future they'll drink alcohol and it will remove their inhibitions and they will do something that, quite frankly, they may never recover from. That they would have never done. They would have never done that had they been sober. But, but I have freedom. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, you do. And you also have responsibility. You have responsibility. Not just to yourself. You have responsibility to the body. And what did he say? So stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble or fall. What is your ultimate goal in life? Be honest. If today, if you were to, somebody asked you, what's your goal? What's your your point in life? What are you searching for? In light of this teaching today, what is your ultimate life's goal, purpose? Before you answer the question, I can tell you what the judgment looked like for the five, the two, and the one bag of silver guys. Maybe you ought to see what it's like in reality, before you choose your life's purpose. Maybe you ought to see how this thing ends before you make a decision about your life's purpose and how much freedom you have in the body of Christ. Maybe you ought to look. Matthew 25. Remember what's happened? The master was going to go on a long journey. Well, in this verse 19, he's back. He, he's, he's back. Who, who's back? Jesus. Jesus. After a long time, the master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account. Are you listening? Responsibility time. You're going to give an account of how they used his money. Why is Jesus telling this story? Why? Anybody want to guess? This is description of the kingdom of heaven. The servant, who had, the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. That's ten bags of silver. And said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now, 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 here's the master. This is the kingdom of heaven. I'd pay attention to this part. The master said, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Why? Because the master sees this man's really good at accepting responsibility. So because you accepted responsibility with the small thing, I will give you responsibility for way more in the future. Responsibility is important in the kingdom of heaven. Let's celebrate together. Can you imagine Jesus looking at you and say, let's celebrate? I'm thinking, yeah, let's celebrate. Verse 22. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I've earned two more. That's four bags of silver. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'm going to give you. He gets the same speech. It doesn't matter whether you got two or whether you got five. The question is, what are you going to do with what he gives you? He says, what? I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I must confess to you that this is the goal of my life. I have a singular goal in my life. And I think there's a whole lot of people in this room, you have a singular goal in your life. And one day, you're going to stand in front of the master and he's going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to bless you with many things. Come share the master's happiness. This is it. This is what the kingdom of heaven's like. You know what it means? Listen, it is to accept responsibility that you and I have been placed here for such a time as this. And he has given us certain things. I got 62 years. He's given me certain talents and skills and abilities and applications. And he's given those to you. And the question is, did you accept responsibility for that which you have been given? Because he is coming and you are going to stand in front of him. Yeah, you are. But wait a minute. Wait wait, wait, a minute. There's another guy in this story. Verse 24. Verse 24. And then the servant with the one bag of silver came. And he said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. There's the first thing I want you to notice. I knew. I knew. See, every, down deep you know. There's something down deep that tells you, I know. I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops. You didn't plant and gathering crops. You didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You wicked, lazy servant. If you knew, there it is. You see, if you knew, I harvested crops I didn't plant, and I gathered crops I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Why didn't you do something with that which I'd given you? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered. He is the master. And this is the kingdom of heaven application. Take the money from this servant. One bag of silver. And give it to the one who has ten bags of silver. Are you listening? To those who use well what they are given. Even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing. Even what little they have will be taken away. How did Jesus begin this parable? This illustrates the kingdom of heaven. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm going to ask you a question I like to ask frequently. How many of you all actually believe this stuff? You must listen to him. Do you accept responsibility In this context? Do you accept responsibility? What about the outer darkness, the weeping and the gnashing of teeth? What what do you think it means to be completely cut off if you don't listen to him? Now, do you understand why Paul said this as he closed out his letter to the Galatian church? Let's go back and read verse 1, chapter 6. Dear brothers and sisters, if anyone, if, any, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the, onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. You know, when I read this, I know something about Paul. Paul knew about the outer darkness. Paul knew about the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. He knew. And because he knew, he knew he says, you've got, you got to go after these people who are falling into sin. Because he knows. There's a judgment coming. And we're going to stand in front of the master. And everybody doesn't go to heaven. The one from heaven has made it clear. Everyone doesn't go to heaven. This entire letter to the Galatian church has been about spiritual freedom. But did you notice something? This will be the biggest point today. This entire letter... Of Galatians is about spiritual freedom, but freedom doesn't mean you don't have responsibility for your life. Do you hear me? Because many modern churches want to leave that part out. Galatians is about freedom, but freedom does not mean you don't have responsibility for your life. It means just the opposite. You have the freedom to accept responsibility for your life and the lives of others. You're free to do that, or you're free not to do that. But each of us will be accountable on the last day. That's what the gospel does. What? It puts the truth in front of us. Today, you know the truth about responsibility. That's what the gospel and truth are doing in this room right now. You know what it's doing? You know what the gospel and the truth is doing in this room right now? It's holding you accountable. It's making you responsible. I don't know what you'll do with it, but you are now accountable and you are now responsible. Because you know the truth. Verse 13, Galatians 5. For you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom. To satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom, how? To serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you see it? Freedom doesn't mean you don't have responsibility for your life or other people. Freedom means you are free to accept responsibility for your life and for other people. But you don't have to. There's the freedom. But you don't have to. The gospel is the truth about life and death. Faith is to receive the truth of the gospel of Christ. Faith, listen church, is to accept responsibility for my sins. I accept responsibility for my sins. I am a sinner. And unless Jesus comes and redeems me, forgives me, sanctifies me, I am lost there is an outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth not an unconscious fade to black unconsciousness sorry that's a lie that's why we preach the gospel with passion like it's life and death because it is that's why we don't stand by when someone falls into sin That's why we, the church, do not stand by when someone falls into sin. We go try to rescue them from the darkness. We take our responsibility literally that we are responsible for each other. That's why we make every effort to snatch people from the flames of the coming judgment. Because I too know what Paul knows. The scriptures has revealed this. There is a place of weeping. And gnashing of teeth. There is an outer darkness. The word of God has revealed this truth. But you must listen to him. Or you will be completely cut off. Because I'm telling you today. He is coming back to settle accounts. He's going to settle up. And the standard of the gospel of Matthew. That I read to you. Will be the standard by which. He will settle. It's his words. Now, back to the ending of Paul's letter to the Galatian church. Galatians 6.6. 6. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Thank you, Paul, for that verse. Because of that verse, I will get a check this week. And then Paul gives a spiritual truth based on an agricultural analogy. Verse 7. Don't be misled, church people. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only, those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from The Spirit. Absolute truth. Let me give it to you. Absolute truth. You will reap what you sow. You will harvest what you plant. You must take responsibility for your life because your life is sowing something. And what you sow, you will reap. Based on the truth of God, if you live a life that pleases self, You are like the one bag of silver guy. You will harvest death, outer darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. But if you live a life that pleases the Spirit, because you've been born again by the Spirit of Christ, you will harvest everlasting life. You will harvest, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's celebrate together. You can listen to me today and laugh. I remember preaching, I'll be careful how I say this, I remember preaching something just recently, and somebody openly mocked me while I was preaching it, and you know what, I just, whatever. And maybe you're in the room today, and that's you. You can, maybe you're here because you don't want to be here. Somebody made you come, you're under pressure, they tricked you. You didn't have any heat at the house, and you heard there was heat here. I don't know. If you want to listen to me and laugh, that's okay. You've got the freedom to do that. You can listen to me today and ignore or even mock me. But I'm going to tell you the truth. You cannot deny your own mortality. You are free to believe or not believe today. I get it. I get it. You're free to mock, you're free to laugh, you're free to believe, you're free to not believe, you're free to do any of those things. God has given you that freedom today, at least for now. You're free. But you are not free. Listen, but you are not free to determine the outcome. You will not determine the outcome of this story. See, we're free right now to believe or not believe, to acknowledge responsibility, or reject responsibility. And we're free up until that last day. But on that last day, a power beyond us will determine the outcome. Someone greater than us will step in and determine the outcome. There is a master sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's going to determine the outcome. There is one that has power and authority over today and the last day, sin, death, and the grave are all bigger and more powerful than anybody in this room right now. You, No matter how big you think you are, how free you think you are, you are not free and more powerful than the grave. And it's in front of you, and it will take a hold of you, and it will not let you go unless Christ tells it to. The power that overcame sin, death, and the grave has clearly stated that you are going to harvest what you have sown in this life. Will you accept responsibility for that truth? You will one day, even if you refuse today. You have a last day coming, one way or the other. You have a last day coming. And you will harvest what you have sown. Life of self or life under the Spirit So what is the message to the church in light of this truth? Next verse, verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. And you know what? Sometimes it's easy to get tired. Let's not get tired in doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap the harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity We should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Do good to everyone. That's outside the church. But especially those inside the church. Don't get tired. What's the final message? Don't get tired and don't give up. In Christ, I'm convinced of this single truth. In Christ, we can't lose. In Christ, we can't lose if we don't give up. So don't give up. In Christ, you cannot lose. If you don't give up, so don't give up. People come into my office and they're struggling in their marriage and I say, in Christ, you can't lose if you don't give up, so don't give up. They come in, they're fighting some sin. In Christ, you cannot lose if you don't give up, so don't give up. Don't give in. We're getting close. Heaven's coming. See, I still believe the return of Christ is imminent. It's near. It's near. Do good to everyone. Share the good news with unbelievers. Preach the word. But especially to your brothers and sisters in the church. You are responsible for each other. We're supposed to share each other's burdens. You cannot be an island inside this body. This is where the church attendance is so important. It kills me. That half the people in the church attend half the time. The attendance ratio at this church is about 52%. The average church person comes to church 26 weeks a year. I don't get it. I don't get it. I really don't. We're not supposed to make this wilderness journey alone. We are not better off alone. We are not. Galatians 6.2 Share each other's burdens in this way. Obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Now to Paul's closing words. Here we go. Verse 11. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. Even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. There you go. The battle between the Jewish law and the gospel. The battle between man's efforts and the supernatural work of God. The difference between religion and the gospel. The difference between man's effort to find God and God's effort to save man. That's how the letter opened. That's how it will close. Paul proclaims the all-sufficient cross of Jesus Christ. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul proclaims the all-sufficient cross of Christ. The word of God that saves us. You receive the Holy Spirit because you believe the message. It's called faith. Today I proclaim the same good news. The cross of Christ saves completely. We hear the message. We believe the message. It's called faith. And we accept responsibility for the message that we heard individually and as the body. And because of faith, God has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has sanctified us, rendered us holy, forgiven us, and we are set free all by faith. Now the Spirit of Christ reigns in our mortal bodies while we await the harvest of the last day. And don't be deceived, church. We will all harvest what we have planted. You must accept responsibility. For this truth if that was Paul's closing in Galatians this is Paul's farewell verse 14 as for me may I never boast about anything except the cross <laughs> this man probably influenced the world as much as any human ever influenced the world And he says, if I ever boast in anything, I will boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether you've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. The cross of Christ. Today we boast in the all-sufficient cross of Christ. The cross of Christ has set us free in this room, totally free. The truth of the cross has set us free, not free from responsibility. Listen, that's a lie. We're not free from responsibilities. But we are now free to accept responsibility for our life and face the cross with repentance in our hearts. And yes, there will be opposition. Yes, there is another voice. There is a hardship for those who follow Christ. I wish I didn't have to say that. But Satan has not given up. He is not finished, not yet. Verse 16, the final three verses. Here we go. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show that I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Are you free today? Free from sin and death? Have you received the Holy Spirit? He won't come by ritual and He won't come by your good works. He comes by faith. Faith in the all-sufficient cross of Christ to redeem us from the grave. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. He comes by faith. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the Word of God. Today you've heard the Word of God. Do you accept responsibilities for your life? Do you accept responsibility for the people who are around you in this room today? This is the church. It was not God's plan that we walk through the wilderness toward the promised land one at a time. He put us together. You're responsible for each other. This is the calling of God. But before you can ever be responsible for somebody else, you must accept responsibility for your own life. So I'm going to pray, we're going to offer an invitation. Maybe today is the day that you let him, you accept responsibility and accept the all-sufficient cross of Christ. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do. Open our eyes, our ears, our hearts. Let the wind blow. Let the fire burn. In Jesus' name, in amen. Let's stand together.